You're listening to Save the Date, the number one podcast about all things weddingy. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome, old listeners, and listeners in between. This is the Q and A episode of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, where I attempt to answer your questions. And if I can't answer them, like today, I get in a special guest answerer person. I think it's just nice to spread the love, and also because I talk to so many wedding experts, why wouldn't you get them to do your job for you, like I am? <laughs> Today I'm covering quite a broad array of topics. As usual, we're talking bridesmaids' dresses, who should pay for them, seating plans, and uh, what you should get as a gift for the bride who has everything. Gee, Willikins, don't get me started. Well, do get me started, and I will get started because I've got an opinion on this, guaranteed. So let's crack on. Let's do it. I always love to get experts on and answer your questions that you've written because you know I can answer the questions, but why not, why just not ask someone who really knows what they're talking about? So I have Jessica from thebudgetsavvybride.com to answer this amazing question coming from Natasha from Cambridgeshire. That sounds very posh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha uh, writes, Jessica. She says, "Hello, Alicia. I'm loving the podcast. Thank you so much, Natasha." Plenty of laughs on the train. Good. Just don't be embarrassing. She says, I'm having a bit of a junior crisis. My fiancé and I are on a fixed budget for our big day. I'd love to buy my bridesmaids beautiful dresses, but we just can't stretch the budget that far. Is it wrong to ask them to pay for their dresses? What are my options? What do you think, Jessica? Do you think this is – I mean, I feel bad for Natasha because that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. I don't know if it's maybe – um, a custom just where she lives or if that's kind of like the social standard. But in the States, I don't think people consider that a requirement to pay for their bridesmaids attire. Um, is that, is it like that where, where well, you live? It's interesting because I, I mean, Natasha's obviously in the UK, in Australia, I've been in weddings where I've paid for my own dress and I've been in weddings where the bride and groom have paid for dresses. So that's a really good point. Internationally, I know that the trends change and people's etiquette change. So in, in, in America, you wouldn't be paying for their attire. I think it really depends on your personal financial situation. Um, we did not pay for our bridesmaids' dresses or our groomsmen's suits or anything like that. Um, but, you know, occasionally people do as a really nice gesture. If they're in a financial situation to be able to do that, it's a really nice bonus. But mm. um, in general, most bridesmaids um, will pay for their own attire. Um, one thing that a lot of brides do will they'll – will be they'll will pay for um like the jewelry or accessories or the shoes um to kind of offset the cost a little bit um but in general you know if it's really outside of your uh, personal budget to be able to do that you know i think your you know best friends will understand and you know maybe you can come to a compromise like having them choose you know their own dress um, something simple like just a black dress. They can wear something they already own or, yeah. you know, just depending on the style, there's a lot of different things you could do um, to kind of keep the cost down for them or give them a specific color swatch and tell them to buy a dress with that color. And then they can spend the level um, that they're comfortable with spending on the dress. Yeah. Um, so I think you definitely have options. But if you're not personally able to pay for it, don't feel guilty. Just explain them to the, explain it to them and, and, and let them know that you wish you could, but maybe just aren't able to afford it. 
And I'm sure, you know, these people are your best friends. They love you. They're going to understand. Exactly. I always think if bridesmaids are going to be crazy, then they're not really and cause trouble. Then they're not really the people that you should be having as bridesmaids. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it was a great point, the black dress. I just asked my bridesmaids to wear their sassiest black dress because I feel like every lady has a black dress that you go, damn, I am looking good in this dress. <laughs> their sassiest black they dress, are, not just a black yeah. dress, oh, no, but their sassiest. I wanted the dress that made them go, whoo, I feel good. And then I just bought the matching. I went to a, a, a chain shop in Australia called Sports Girl, which is just your sort of, I don't know, like the gap, but maybe a bit nicer. Sports Girl probably wouldn't like me saying that, but I bought them really nice little um shawl like pashmina's shawl that all matched so they had some some, something that tied it all together and um yeah and i also think bridesmaids don't have to be matchy matchy anymore no absolutely not i actually love the mismatched bridesmaid look i think it's really cute and it feels just not so stuffy or not so like a bunch of little clones standing next to you. Yeah, you don't want clone girls. And also, no one looks the same. No one has the same body shape. I think when you see people trying to squeeze, I mean, it works for some people and it's great for them, but I, I think when you're trying to squeeze very different body shapes into the same dress, it does really, really works. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's so true. And, and you know, you want, you know, these people, like I said, are your best friends. You love them. They love you. You want them to feel their best too. So, um, you know, I think that, letting them choose their own style or whatever um, is a great kind of compromise and a good way to make everybody happy. So true. There you go. Natasha from Cambridgeshire. Uh, there you go. Jessica's answered your question. Don't stress, relax, and, you know, be honest. Honesty is a really good thing in a lot of situations. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I think a lot of us are scared of honesty. It goes back to going, don't be scared. Just tell them the truth. They'll yeah. understand. Yeah. And just remember that they love you and you love them. So oh, otherwise you wouldn't be asking them to be in your wedding, right? Totally. And if you are and they're obligation bridesmaids, then you need to listen to some backlog of this podcast because I've got a few <laughs> things to say about that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Look, excellent answer. So thank you so much, Jessica from the budget savvy bride.com. This is the Q&A episode. I love doing these episodes. It's where you write to me and I attempt to find answers to your questions. So this one uh, comes from Sarah. She's in the States. She says, we're having a super casual wedding. Great. Oh, I love it. I don't want to do seating plans, but my fiance thinks if we don't, there'll be trouble. Your thoughts, Alicia? Mm, Sarah, okay. Seating plans are something that people, I would say couples, a majority of couples leave to the very last second. It's an annoying job. It's very political. People get their real attitude on when they figure out they're not sitting at a table with the people they want to sit at because you cannot please anyone or everyone. <laughs> there was a faux pas then. You cannot please anyone. I would say you can't please everyone when it comes to seating plans. Everyone has an opinion and you will get the people on the day, which you won't notice because you'll be having too much of a good time. But as a guest, I've seen it. And I'm sure you have too, where people go, oh, why am I sitting next to Graham? He's my best friend. This is ridiculous. I can't believe that Fiona and Jason wouldn't know that I wanted to sit next to Graham. I'm really devastated about this. It's ruined my whole day. So, I mean, if that guest is you or you know that guest, I'd suggest just shut up and sit down and enjoy your free meal and booze for a starters. But it comes back to the question, Sarah. You don't want to do the seating plan. I don't know whether this is just because, as you said, it's a casual wedding, whether you're being very bold and you want to just have a social experiment and see what happens. That would be interesting. Or you can't be bothered. 
All those answers, correct, fine. I think your fiancé might have a good point. Do you remember... I know it might be the same way, actually, in a lot of countries they still do it, where you get an aeroplane ticket and it's no seating. It doesn't have allocated seating. It's just like, get on the plane and you fight for your seat. And it brings out the psycho in everyone. It really does. You know, I became fixated with going, well, I want that. I want that aisle seat. I want somewhere to put the bag straight above my head. I don't want to have to, you know, go all the way up to the other end of the plane. And I could never enjoy the flight because I was always thinking about where the hell am I going to place my bottom when I get onto that plane? Now, Sarah, it, I don't know the details of your wedding. Unfortunately, you haven't given me any more information. Is it a, a big wedding? Is it a small wedding? Because I think this question, if you've got 20 people and they're all sort of know each other and they're all polite people and you're going to a restaurant, hell, no seating plan. Let anyone sit where they want. But if you have a wedding for 200 people and you have, you know, round tables that everyone has to figure out where to sit, I think that could become a little chaotic on the day. If it's a casual backyard barbecue, don't do seating plans. They can sit wherever they want. If you're doing a formal big hotel reception center wedding, seating plans. Now, I'm not saying you have to decide every person's exact seat. Here's an easy way to do it is just say, let's, here's the table plans. You don't have to go around and stick individual cards, although that's nice. It is nice, but you don't have to do that. You could just say, here's 10 names on a list. This is your table. Fight over where you're going to be sitting. Not my problem. I think that's perfectly acceptable. And also, it just gives people a general sort of direction. Now, I have been to weddings. I have been. I'm going to admit to you here. This is another Alicia's confessional. I've been to weddings where they have sat me in somewhere I don't want to sit. And I've been that has gotten the seating, you know, the little card and swapped it around before anyone else got to the table. I'm an awful person. I'm happy to admit that regularly. I did do that. The, the wedding didn't come to a halt because I switched that around. Yes, it was very selfish of me. And yes, you can judge me. It's fine. But, you know, people will do that. If they don't want to sit where they don't want to sit, they'll either get stroppy or they'll figure it out for themselves. So, Sarah, I think your fiance's right. Do a bit of pre-planning. Figure out who should sit with who. Not in a big, you have to spend four days on this thing. I did a little perusing of the interwebs to see if we could solve your problem and maybe introduce a bit of technology to it. Because I always find if you can put it on a screen, then things are easier. If you can put it in a spreadsheet, fine, let the computer do the work. So I did find a website called toptableplanner.com. Toptableplanner.com, say it fast with me. And uh, it looks really good. What it is, is uh, a drag and drop guest table creation planning situation. So it's an app where you can put all your names in of all your guests and then sort of give objectives. So you could say a family member or friends or the loser singles table, which I used to be constantly sat at, and it will sort of help you sort it out. So I thought that's a great idea. If you are more of a visual person, perhaps you don't really want to have to sit there with your your good scissors and your special little, you know, cutting out the names and putting them on the floor and moving them around, which I know a lot of people like to do. And it's fun, but then a bit of gust of wind comes along or someone walks past and your table planning's gone. So if you're more of a technical person, I would say I would give this a crack. I have not personally used this program yet, but I'd love to hear from you if you have, if you're a toptableplanner.com person or a similar program. If you've used it, I'd love to hear from you because I think it's a great idea. Also, from reading their website, it seems that you can share the guest list and the table um, set out with your partner or someone else. I wouldn't share it too much because everyone has an opinion as usual. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. That's all you have to do. 
There's my weird whispering again for you. But you can share it. So your partner can go, no, don't stick Uncle Graham next to Auntie Marie because they're divorced and they hate each other's guts. Let's put them at the opposite end of the room. That's all you have to do. So toptableplanner.com, I'll put that in my show notes as usual. Again, if you've used them or something like it, send me a tweet. I love connecting with you on the Twitter. My Twitter address, address, I'm like a nana. My Twitter handle is save the date PC, as in politically correct, something I'm not. Save the date PC. Tweet me if you've used it. Tweet me if you just want to say hello or if you have a question for this segment, tweet me. It's so easy. It takes you three seconds. And uh, I will reply, as I always say, if you have your question read out on the podcast, I will send you a Kindle version of my book, Smart Wedding, to say thank you very much for your contribution. So there you go, Sarah. You will be receiving that very soon. I hope I've answered correctly. Get the program. Do the organizing. Stop the chaos on the day. I think that's a really good solution, if I do say so myself. My final question, and it's a quickie. I like to call this a quickie question. It comes from Fiona, and she says, Alicia, she sounds like she might be a bridesmaid. She hasn't said this, but I feel like she might be. The tone in her email makes me feel like a little bit of a rundown bridesmaid. No disrespect to you, Fiona. Alicia, what is the best engagement gift for a bride who already has it all? When I read Fiona's question, I got a little bit bit titchy because I was thinking, you know, there are so many occasions, if you're a bridesmaid or groomsman or you're a close family friend to the people getting married, there are so many occasions within that time that we have to purchase them gifts. And I say that I love giving. I love buying gifts. There is nothing more satisfying than giving something, someone something that's awesome and you're going, yeah, I picked that and I love you and I care for you and here's something I bought. It doesn't have to be expensive. It could just be really clever or silly. But I do feel like we have this expectation now with weddings that there are so many events that lead up to the wedding where people have decided that we should be giving them gifts and vice versa as well. A lot of the media and the magazines, which I adore reading, but also they do are highlighting at the moment this pressure for brides to be giving bridesmaids. Will you be my bridesmaid gift? Will, will you come shoe shopping with me gift? I mean, they're just seems to be a lot of gifts associated with weddings without even thinking about the actual wedding gift. There you go, rant over. So, Fiona, I was thinking about this and, you know, when you say the bride that has it all, perhaps she's crashed up, maybe she got a lot of coin, perhaps she's just very consumer. I don't know. My initial thought, your quickie answer to your question is, how about a wedding magazine subscription? That's something that, you know, she, she's got a year up her sleeve to plan the wedding. Perhaps that's often four issues of a snazzy bridal magazine that she doesn't have to go out and buy herself. If you use Ebates or Top Cashback, I'll put the links on the show notes. You can get cashback for the subscription. She'll never know. More money in your pocket to spend on the next gift that you have to buy this lovely lady. So that's my quickie answer for you, Fiona. Thank you so much for getting in touch and I hope... That's a good solution. Here's another one, just quickly. If you, <laughs> what I've learned from the Real Housewives is you always take a candle as a gift. Please, if you've never watched the Real Housewives or if you've watched the Real Housewives, you'll know what I'm talking about. But they always go, whenever there's a party or some sort of um, social situation that will inevitably turn into the massive bitch fight that happens every episode, they always bring a lovely gift bag and they'll go, oh, you shouldn't have given me a present. What is that? And they always go, oh, no, darling, it's just a candle. I got you a candle. So if in doubt, wedding magazine, subscription or a candle. Problem solved. 
That brings us to the end of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast question episode for another week. Thank you so much for listening. If you are new to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, if you head to savethedatepodcast.com, you'll notice in the right sidebar of the website, you'll see past episodes, a little icon. If you click on that icon, there is a whole world of podcasts for you. All my past episodes, I add to it every week and you can listen within your browser. You don't have to go anywhere. I love a bit of an in-browser listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Welcome to the 90s. So I suggest that that's maybe a good place to start if you are newly engaged. Woo-hoo! Or if you've just discovered this podcast and you want to go back to the past, I suggest you do that. Until next week, my pretties, happy wedding planning and happy days. You're listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast all about things wedding-y.